Welcome to the Mind Body TV podcast with Dr. Kim Duramo. I'm a conventionally trained physician sharing how the body heals and how you can access this state of healing effortlessly. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mind Body TV. I am so excited to be here with Veda Austin. I'm a special guest today who I'm going to interview. The um, topic today is about the consciousness of water. I've studied a lot about this in the past with uh, Dr. Masaro Emoto's work, which I found so profoundly fascinating. I reread his stuff maybe, I don't know, four or five years ago. And then he had a second book and I just delved into that and always thought like, who's carrying this work on? <laughs> and I'd reached out to him. You know, he's no longer living. I reached out to his team. I figured there's got to be someone um, I can interview who's you know, carrying this work on or, or as versed in this work as, as he is. And um, for those of you who don't know who Masaru Emoto is, because uh, his work was profiled in um, the movie, What the Bleep Do We Know? So it got a little more famous there. But it's basically how water carries consciousness. The thought, the intention that we put into it changes the crystalline structure of water. And we have, you know, electron microscopy. We have ways of looking at that and detecting that very, very uh significantly. It's not like, oh, maybe we see something. It's very, very evident. Um, and so this just, you know, since we're mostly made of water, it, it just shows us how our consciousness affects our body, how our consciousness affects reality. And so I was introduced to Veda a short time ago, and it turns out she is carrying on that same thread of that type of work, studying the consciousness of water. So she is a water researcher and crystallographer who's been able to look at the crystalline structure of water and how it, you know, our thoughts affect it, how our intentions affect it, and how it's actually showing up to communicate back with us. Um, I'd love to hear for everyone joining live where you're tuning in from in the world, uh, what your thoughts are about this subject, and uh, and we'll go from there. So I'd like to bring in Veda. Thank you so, so much for agreeing to be here and, and coming in to assist our community. It's absolutely my pleasure. I'm very, very happy to be here. Well, why don't you start a little bit with um, how, how you got into this work, what you started finding in, uh, I know you have taken a lot of photos and seen a lot with the crystallography. What was that like for you? And then where did you go with that uh, knowledge? Oh, God, that's a huge question. So actually, you know, this started quite some time ago, but my inquiry around whether water could store and hold information started nearly nine years ago and obviously I had seen Emoto's work but I'd also seen a man by the name um, of Laurent Costa he is a French uh, microscopic photographer of water and he took photos similar to Emoto although he had a slightly different way of approaching water he considered water to be his spiritual teacher and he did not want to perform any experimentation on the water because in a similar way to me, I consider myself a body of water by molecular count, not by volume. We're 99% water. We are bodies of water. And so by molecular been, count, you said by molecular count, not mass and volume. Weight. So, oh, yeah. so by volume, we're approximately between 65, 75% water depending on our age, size, weight, and these kinds of things. But by molecular count, by looking at all the molecules, the trillions of molecules in our body, we're 99% water. In mm. fact, there are more water molecules in our body than stars in the Milky Way. So when you think about that and you think about how much water we are, we really are bodies of water. We're only a cut away from leaking or an emotion away from leaking or a toilet break away from leaking but we do not consider ourselves to be fluid. So um, no. what? <laughs> Most of us are like the opposite of fluid where we're like contracting and fighting and letting the work. Yeah. I, I do, um, I, yeah, it's very true. But uh, anyway, Laurent, he really had this relationship and he thought, well, he didn't want to experiment on water because he's a body of water that didn't want to be experimented on. And I have always felt the same way. But what he would do, it he would look into these um, the water before he put a little drop under his microscope. But he would flash freeze the water, just like Emoto did. So the secret was always in the freezing, where the invisible becomes visible. 
And so it's kind of like this little moment in time where he would be able to see the immediate response to his facial expressions or whatever it was. And so he would often smile at water and he would see happy faces in the water and he would get fish and hearts. And this is microscopic photo photography. So it was pretty amazing to me um, very early on coming into the idea that water couldn't do more than express itself in geometric patterns that look like snowflakes, which most people are familiar with. And that's very much what Emoto's work was, showing that water could respond in structural integrity or structure or basically disorder. Mm -hmm. And so well, yeah. this, and just this guy, for those who don't know Emoto's work, you know, they would they will hold the intention of I love you or joy, or, you know, a specific quality of love, joy, peace. And there would be very specific, repeatable um, molecular structures of those water crystals. And then likewise, they'd have the water and they put intention, I hate you, you make me sick, or, um, you know, or even taking water that's gone through a toxic waste site. And then they would take that and look at the crystalline structures. And that was very disorganized and the, the coloration was off. Like it was, you could tell the, the huge difference in the structure of that water. Um, so so what, you, what you've done though is kind of like the next step of that, which I think is, is really so fascinating and mind blowing. But, but just that body of work alone is so mind blowing because you're like, well, I'm mostly made up of water. If, if I just say I love you to my body, that's actually creating a change in the crystalline structure and molecularly in my body. So it really gives us such a, point of power to begin to shift what's happening in our in our body um it's so true. please go ahead <laughs> well i do have some photos i can show later of of that go through emoto's work and laurent's work just so you can see what was going on there with their work um but also which i think i, I like to mention these three people that inspired me first mostly because it kind of shows my inquiry. So everything that I've done has been extremely organic. It's it's kind of just happened out of curiosity because I always think, don't believe everything you see and read. Actually, if you can, try it yourself. Do, do inquiry for yourself. When you see something that happens in front of your eyes, it's so much more real for you then, which is why I encourage people to use my technique and learn my technique and join workshops to learn how to do this work for yourself because it's not just me that has a special relationship with water. We're all bodies of water. We know how to have relationships with other people, with pets, with, with, the, with the natural world. So it's not that different to have relationship with the flowing blood of our planet. And so uh, the other person that inspired me was a man by the name of Thomas Hieronymus. He was a radionic engineer and he made an observation when he went into a Parisian meat market that the freshly placed organs of an animal appeared to be affecting the way the frost froze on the glass behind where they were placed. For example, the frost would freeze into the shape of a liver organ above the actual liver organ and so on and so forth. And so what he thought was that there seemed to be some kind of life force energy still emanating out of these organs, even though they were no longer part of an animal. And he put that down to it being um, water in the blood. And the water in the blood was informed of that organ, the shape, form, and was able to communicate in some way with the water outside of itself in the air. And then that crystallized um, in these shapes and forms. And I was happy to hear that because he was seeing this with his naked eye, which meant that it was very large in comparison to these microscopic work um, that Emoto and Laurent do, did. So I thought, well, you may really want to know for myself if water can store information. And so uh, I'd had a healing experience with water, so I used some of that water to begin with, although I've used every every kind of water there is uh, over these years. And what and, was that healing experience? Um, so I was in a horrendous car accident um, around about 25 years ago. We went under a seven-ton truck, rolled twice. The driver was um, killed instantly. And over the course of 
20 odd years, I had eight surgeries. And on my eighth surgery, which I went in for bowel surgery because I had to have several bowel resections where the septum crushed me, um, I didn't recover well. And I woke up to this doctor saying, well, we found that there are showers of blood clots in your lungs and we want you to be on blood thinners potentially for the rest of your life. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound good <laughs> to me. Um, and I've always lived a very holistic life. And so it was kind of surprising to me to hear that news. But I was fed that fear, and for three months I took warfarin, which is a blood thinner. Um, and on that third month, the doctor did an X-ray and saw that I was clear, but wanted me to continue on. And of course, I believe in freedom of choice when it comes to you and your body, and I chose not to continue with that, but to focus on my own health. And so uh, I ended up talking with a friend of mine who's a medical doctor but he has an integrative medical practice and he also practices Ayurvedic medicine and he just said you know totally off the record of course um, he said you might want to try a high alkaline water natural emphasis on natural not man-made not um, ionized he was really saying if you can find a natural source of high alkaline water it might help to stabilize your body get it back into some kind of health um, and so I was like oh all I have to drink is water that can't be hard and so uh, I started drinking a lot of different waters um, but I did it in a very specific way I did my I did two-week trials on myself and I didn't change anything of my diet or skincare or any of that kind of stuff and in New Zealand um, uh, even our rainwater is slightly alkaline um, so it wasn't too hard to find alkaline waters, which um, which basically are anything over a 7 in pH, which stands for power or potential of hydrogen. Anything under that, um, under 7, is considered acidic. And so um, long story short, I had a wellness center back then, and a lady uh, came to me after I'd tried several different waters and not really felt anything but hydrated, and she said, I know this, this old guy, he's got his own private water source, deep underwater aquifer, pH out of the ground naturally is 9.9. .9. He's only giving it to cancer patients. Maybe you want to try. And so I went to see him the next day and he gave me a month's worth of water. And within three days of drinking it, I noticed a really big difference in something a lot of people don't even want to talk about, which is bowel motions. Um, that's a sign of your internal health. If you're sitting on the toilet for an hour trying to push out a pebble, it suggests you're grossly hydrated. And actually, that's a lot of people. I think most people in the world are dehydrated. And that can create just a tiny amount of dehydration. It can create some brain fog. It can do stuff that we wouldn't even imagine. Yeah, and you can be dehydrated even if you're drinking water because, like you're saying, it's the structure of the water, the pH of the water, it's the quality of that water that either has the potential to nurture and hydrate the cells or pff, yeah. you're really not getting there. Well, I always say quantity, quality over quantity. I mean, there, it really does, I mean, make a massive difference to the way in which your body uses that water. And so... Um, Anyway, so it's I was going, I'm going to give an example. It's kind of like um, the kind of soil that you put your plant in to grow. Um, if it's if it's just kind of arid and dry, the water really just goes straight through it. it it's kind of needs some kind of mineral rich kind of life in there to actually absorb it properly. And so it, it's a very interesting thing the the whole area of hydration. But um, but. After 10 days of drinking that water, what I discovered was that it, I had all these bumps coming up along my arm and jaw that were incredibly painful. And one was like really angry and like felt like sharp to touch. And as gross as it sounds, I ended up getting some tweezers and started like, because it felt like there's something in there. And I started like picking something and I picked something out and I looked at it and I'm like, oh my God, I know what that is. It was this little sliver of green glass. And over day 10 and 12, 27 pieces of glass, green glass, came out of my arm and my jaw. And they had been in my body for nearly 20 years because the man who died in that car accident, he owned a nightclub. 
and in the back of the car he was driving were as a crate of Steinlager beer and their mate put in green glass. So when we rolled, I'd kind of gone like this and that part of my body had got a lot of that glass. But it was interesting. I mean, that on its own is fascinating. Um, but I also gave some to my dad, who's um, this kind of famous Maori fisherman in New Zealand called Bill Hohepa. And he, years and years ago, had got a, a fish fin, you know, those spikes of the fin between his knuckles. And he thought he got it all out. But after drinking the water, he noticed this thing starting to come out of between his knuckles. And it was like a, almost like this fossilized bit of fin that came out. And so it was like purging things that were. Yeah, your skin is your largest detoxification organ in your body. And now that you're detoxifying, it's it's activating that that element of the skin to just push it out, push stuff out. Yeah. And so I trialed that, that water on lots of people in my wellness center and everyone had some kind of improvement. And across the board, everyone's eyesight improved, which was interesting because our eye lens is 99% highly ordered structured water. And so there, I, I won't go into everybody's experience, but they were significant. Uh, what I will give one example of, which I've just started sharing now, um, was one man, um, he had stage four cancer and he, before he went, before he'd started going into the chemo hole, that kind of area, he wanted to see if there was any way he could heal himself. And so he decided he would do a water fast for 27 days, which is a very long water fast, no food. And so, um, someone that knew me actually reached out to me and I gave him all this water to to drink and so halfway through his water fast he was called in to and they wanted to do like to see where his cancer was like how how big it was just to measure it they were really kind of concerned about him and they wanting him to do all kinds of various things but they noticed the tumor had reduced by half and he thought that was amazing and they didn't seem to make anything of it yeah. and they were like oh well you've still got cancer and so he he was like my god it's half what are you talking about and so he was really encouraged and he kept I've going, seen this kept going. A lot. It, that's not uncommon i've yeah. had a lot of my own patients and their their tumors will shrink after working with me because uh -huh. you know emotionally you're not feeding that stuff and we're not you're no longer creating it it can't sustain its life and when they go back, it's well, because we only see what we have the capacity to, to let her to let in. So then we'll just like make up excuses. Oh, well, probably this. Oh, well, maybe we measured it wrong. Oh, well, maybe whatever. But it's true that the, the patient is pretty much always they know they know and they're they like blown away and that because they're letting that awareness in and the significance of that change. Absolutely. And he was working on himself as well. He was going through a lot, releasing a lot of emotional stuff. He was doing all the work. But by the end of his full um, water fast, they um, went to see where he was at in the hospital like two weeks later. And he was checked and they couldn't find any cancer at all. It was completely gone. And I spoke to him, uh, I, we messaged not that long ago and he's still cancer free. And so I found it really interesting what you say about what feeds cancer, because we can look at it so medically, but we forget that we're such a layered system of intelligence and consciousness. And that's also what I see in water. It's very layered and the secrets are always in the subtleties and things get held and stored in those subtle areas and spaces of the in-between. And I think that so often, like with my mum, she died in 1999 and she had cancer and she was one of those people that would, she was like a vault, but she, and she just wouldn't talk about what was going on for her. And I think that that was one of her issues is that, you know, she held so much inside and she wasn't able to dilute it. And I often think about that. Sometimes we have this concentration of stuff that we just don't talk about and it starts to almost calcify and starts to grow. And it is that thing where actually even just speaking to one person about something, there's a slight dilution of that intensity that's within us. And just starting to talk about it, it really does help. Um, yeah. So 
I was so curious, you know, to see if water could store information. Um, and so what I did was took some of that that water, that spring water. So you had a one month supply, you started using it, and then you're just giving it away to everybody as well. Yeah. Yeah, I was giving donations to the guy and um, because still it was still his time, you know, and uh, yeah, I trialed so many people. So you got more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went okay. back and I said, look, I've, I explained to him, I know you, you're only right now giving it to cancer patients and I really honor and respect that. Um, but I have all these people coming to me to my wellness center and they have various different things. And I, and, you know, I had this experience and I kind of think I endeared myself with him. We had a nice connection and he could see I really honored the water, yeah. um, which was important to him. Unfortunately, and, and always people, like, when I start talking about my experience and talk about this, everyone's like, where can I get the water? But actually, um, he sold that property. And so I, 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 um, I don't have, I'm not getting that water anymore. It's not freely available. You have to find a different way. I a do believe that. Different way are, to activate the water. I, but I do believe there are medicine waters placed all around the world. And often what you'll find is that medicine water will be close to somewhere where you were born. And so it's, it's interesting. Um, I was talking to a, a, a woman who was kind of a, a kind of a, a, an Andean shaman. And she was telling me that she was like, we have four parents, our mother and father and our mother water and our father mountain. And to find your mountain that was closest to where you were born and find your river or stream or aquifer closest to where you were born there will be some connection there. And when you actually go and give thanks to the mother and father, then there is something very special that happens with you. There is a new bond that forms. And so it's not necessarily that that's your special water source for drinking, but that is a special water source for you. And so is the mountain. And I think so often we forget actually that we are part of nature that nature is part of us and that there is an honoring system that, that, that is very beautiful if we can think about doing that. I was on a podcast the other day um, with a, a guy and he, um, we were talking about hot springs and because uh, I recently went to Pagosa Springs um, and beautiful hot springs and when I was in I couldn't sleep very well and I got up at five in the morning I just I couldn't sleep and so I I went and I was the only person sitting in this beautiful hot thermal pool and in this particular pool there was the kind of it started to kind of bubble up every so often and then kind of die down again um, and I started to time it and every one minute 20 seconds it would start to bubble up it was kind of like this almost like a heartbeat but after a while I sat in there for a long time uh, a couple came and came and just kind of they were talking they were a little louder and things like that and I noticed that the timing changed on this way in which the bubbling started to come up it was started to become much slower it was really interesting and so it's, it took more like three minutes to start doing that and as soon as they left it came back to its regular one minute twenty so it was almost the opposite of what would happen to us, which where our heartbeat would start racing more. It just, it was almost as if it wasn't, it wanted to take longer. There was some kind of importance in that change, but that there was a change at all, I think was very significant and unusual. And within that time that I sat there, and much like Victor Schauberger, who had a very profound experience with water where he would, and for those that don't know who he is, he really is to water what Tesla is to electricity. Um, Tess, like uh, Victor Schauberger was all of, taught us all about like implosion and explosion and all these kinds of things. But one of his um, experiences that really resonated with me was that he sat beside a stream and he became unconscious. And when he became conscious again, and he discovered that the water had shared information with him. And he actually said that the water took his free consciousness, he called it free consciousness, away with it and returned it to him full of information. And he said he would set his 
consciousness, this free consciousness, out on these expeditions with water to come back and it would share all this information with him. And so what I found in that was that sitting in that hot pool, the water started to share information with me. And it was actually saying that these hot pools, compared to the, the cold springs that we have that come up through the, through the ground, the aquifers, were more like organs. Of the of they were liquid organs, and that in very very much older times people would go in there not to heal themselves but to heal the water to heal the planet to heal this organ that was kind of going through much like you know how we get a temperature when we need to kill something it was almost as if there was this part of the water which um, was was wanting to be healed and people would know that and they would go in there and they would actually put their energy into the water and it could change the way the water would bubble up it could change the timing it could do various things like that so it was like very very interesting that little experience that i had not so long ago um, but coming back to my work i wanted to really see you know and, and so i i, I keep I will get there, but there was this this part this within um, all of the experience with the with the glass coming out and everybody kind of having this experience. Like, well, what made it different? What made that water so different? I mean, well, and that's what people are asking here: do, do mineral and trace element drops help yeah. the water get into your cells, or where do we get this water? And and I and I have the question too: like, what could I do to activate my water? And I've tried a lot of different, very expensive types of water that you know are there's a lot of science behind it, but I didn't really notice anything. And I thought, oh, maybe I need to do it for a longer period. But then you're like thousands of dollars in, so I never I never went in that direction. But I'm I'll give you to say sure. I'll give you some suggestions. So. I mean, I wrote a whole book on this topic once, but so what was, so my first, my go-to was, okay, look at the analysis, see what's in the water. And yes, it has a high pH, but that's not the be all and end all. I used to think it was because I didn't know any better, but I didn't, I actually, I don't believe that a really, really high pH water like that is necessarily the be all end all, especially I thought of that and I took that as a medicine water. It, it really was a medicine water. Um, it did have a lot of bicarb in it, which was part of what made it so alkaline. It, the, the actual underwater aquifer, they found there were huge deposits of quartz there. So there was that there. And any water that's come from a very deep aquifer is under a lot of pressure. Any water that's under a lot of pressure will build EZ, exclusion zone water, that fourth phase of water that Dr. Gerald Pollock talks to us about. So we have a liquid, solid gas, and then a type of gel. And the type of gel is the way our body converts H2O into H3O2, which is that um, it has it absorbs more light, it's more viscous, it has a negative charge, um, and it really behaves like a battery inside of our cells, and it expands with infrared light. So uh, the water from deep aquifers are more likely to have uh, that fourth phase of water in them. Mm -hmm. And so that, I, I started looking at that, and then I'm like, well, is it really, is that it? Is it, it can't just, it didn't feel like it could just be this high pH. And I, I started to think, well, if I really want to know the secrets to the universe, and if I really want to know anything about this water, I need to think in terms, just like Tesla says, of energy, frequency, and vibration. And so I started to think, well, maybe this water has some kind of a high frequency. And because everybody was having a reaction to it, and so I thought, well, all I'm doing right now is looking at water, what water holds. But what is water? When we look at water and we try to analyze it with all of our ways that we do, and we look, okay, it's got this and it's this and it's got this level of, you know, total dissolved solids and this and this and this, we're looking at it from what that point of view. But I was like, well, water is holding those things. What is water? What, what is it? Does it have a state of health, an energetic state of health like we do? Like, what's going on here? And I ended up thinking about it in terms of, I think that 
all these all these molecules in our body, all these water molecules, all these cells in our body, they all have a kind of a sound. And so we have this orchestra, little orchestra playing. We all have our own song. And that song can change when we have a change of perception, a change of a massive big change. And so it was as if this water added something new into that frequency, into that orchestra of my cells. And it was kind of like the finale of that um, an opera singer singing such a high note and it, it smashes glass, she, she or he smashes glass. And so it was as if it just, it, it actually that there was a new sound that purged me. And so as I was going into it and seeing everybody having a reaction, I started to think, well, what is it about this water? Where is it from where it is placed? Because it was from an area where there was a lot of Maori settlement once. And um, the water in, in, in my culture, my father's Maori, uh, we consider that water really is a living being. And it was honored as that and cared for as that. And there is a saying in Maori that the health of a, the river reflects the health of the people. And so there was a lot going on around that area. And so that water had always been held as a sacred being. And so as we start to look around water sources around the world where the water has actually been cared for and there's been stewards of the water, even if it was a hundred years ago, there is still an energy that resonates there. Um, so I thought about all of those things. And I do think that there are waters that have a higher frequency. Now, I tested it for things like dissolved hydrogen, um, dissolved oxygen, and there were traces of dissolved hydrogen and there was it was highly oxygenated. So if you then take that out and you try to recreate things, um, that's 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 one way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll give you some some things you can do. I spent a lot of time in India and um, I would go out to the villages. And one day I was out there and I observed that there were these Indian women holding a sari, a large sari out. Um, they were one was holding one end, one was holding the other underneath one of those pumps, those water pumps. And they were filtering the water through silk. It was a silk sari. And um, I asked what was going on and the translator was saying, yeah, that's what they do sometimes in the villages because they know that that's going to not only filter the water, but give it um, a higher vibration, higher energy, um, a different frequency. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's very advanced. And even Rudolf Steiner, um, he says the same thing. Water that's filtered through silk makes a massive difference to it structurally, energetically. And even um, Dr. Jerry Pollack was just, we were casually chatting and he was saying that, yeah, silk, even just beside water can make a structural change. So you have a way you've implemented that. I'm working on that. Actually, my partner and I are working on getting a, the optimum way of using a silk filter that is consciously put together. There's a lot of engineering that actually needs would to Would you say like there are ways, I mean, because I know some simple ways to activate water. What would you say are like the simplest things people could start to do? Um, you know, obviously there's going to be advancing technologies that we'll have, but what's the simplest ways people can begin to um, use this information that you're sharing today for ourselves? Yeah, well, certainly, I mean, you can just get a little bit of silk and filter it through into a large container. It's really, really easy. Um, you can also just, if you don't have anything much, you can just get a spoon and start stirring it one way and stirring the water the other way. That's just creating a vortex, kind of bringing the water into some harmony. One of the big ways that I've seen structurally change is when you even just, the, the, the um, control was tap water. When ta you freeze tap water using my technique, it forms in these kind of disordered patterns. And so then when you, and you get to know what those patterns look like over and over again. Then you put that water into a singing bowl and you play it and then you freeze it. You'll see a massive change so that it looks much more like spring water than it does look like tap water. I have a singing bowl. I never thought to activate my water in it. Mm -hmm. so you so you'd it. like put the water in there and then yeah, play it. See the resonance of that. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
but you can even as simply as take your water bottle and put it to your heart as if it was a child and get into uh, that space where you know that the water literally can quote unquote hear your heartbeat and actually by doing that the water is able to um, understand what's going on for you and understand actually what you need and much like I don't know if you've heard of this but there's been some talk if you put a seed in your mouth and hold it for you know upwards of 10 20 minutes um, and then you plant that seed the the actual plant that will grow will apparently um, offer the minerals and vitamins that you're lacking I've, I've heard those. about this technology and I love that you talked about the you know, simply putting the water to your heart. And, and I'll do that a lot. I drink a lot of water every morning and I'll send love and the intention of, you know, my highest possibility and infuse that into the water. Um, because it would be cool to put it in my singing bowl and do all that, but it feels even more fluid to me to remember the simplicity that there's so much consciousness in water and we can use our intention and just allow our pure intention because sometimes it is what's the most harmonic and that is what's the most um, uh, fluid to do versus mm -hmm. like a big complex way of doing it. Um, there's a lot of technology and science showing that the consciousness of water can imprint, can carry that, like you said, the need, you know, it's listening to your heartbeat, but this, it's not just like we think there's just this one sound. It's actually the, the frequency of the entire being. And it listens in a way that it can actually antidote that specific frequency or, you know, frequencies of where the imbalances are in your body. And a lot of these um, are used in us only for animals. Like they're, they're not allowed because we've had a We've had some restrictions in the way that medicine is allowed to be practiced and not allowed to be practiced. Mm -hmm. And in other countries, they're doing this to cure cancer and they're doing this to cure all kinds of autoimmune diseases. And in this country, it's it's used on animals. But you can do this yourself because I've looked into this technology and it could be as simple as, like you said, letting the water imprint with the frequency of your heart, your body, your own resonance, and be that uh, antidote to counterbalance what you most deeply need. Well, that's the bonding. I mean, and when I think yeah. about water and consciousness, I think that um, consciousness and water are so intertwined that they almost like behave as one. It's kind of like you can't separate it like um, salt water. The salt is in the water. We see it as one big bulk thing. They, they work so beautifully together. And I think when it comes to uh, also, I would say, and always, I, I can't tell you how many people ask me, what can I do to structure my water? But a lot of people, are, they hear this word structure and it's like, okay, well, what is, how do you, you, you know, all these people saying that this restructures your water. And yes, you can look for exclusion zone and these things, there are tests you can do for that, but not everybody can do that. And a lot of right. people can't do that. So what I've seen with, with my work is that you can literally see in that very moment what the structure of your water looks like anybody can do this and i always say before you go looking for imagery before you you know start try like don't have an expectation of water that's never a good idea you know actually expecting water to do what you want is um really never a good idea because that's not what you would do in a relationship this is all actually about what it is to be in right relationship not only with water outside of your body but particularly with the water inside of your body if you're in right relationship with yourself as an aquatic being as a as a liquid fluid intelligent being not you know really then then you're be in right relationship with the water outside of yourself and i think that what we um what i'm seeing most <clears throat> comes down to even what was the last word that you spoke before you drank water because that word will still be resonating in your mouth, in your saliva. Mm. I've done lots of tests where I've spat into a Petri dish after saying something and seen something relevant to that word show up in the imagery of that saliva. And so the water is, is entering you. It's such an intimate thing. And always we're looking outside of something, ourselves to fix ourselves. But mm. we, if, everything we are doing um, is ex we're experiencing in this body 
So I think there's like two worlds, the world we live on and the world we live in. And we're always looking outside to fix what's going on in here. But actually, it's it, the way that I see things is like, this is a sophisticated filtration vortexing system that we have as a body. The healthier our body can be, the, the quicker and more purified, if you want to use that term. Um, and when I say pure, I'm not talking about, you know, taking the bad things out and stuff like that. I'm thinking of water as, as a pure form of, um, of, uh, of love. Because really, to me, water is like the elixir of love. It is, the, it's the, it is fluid emotion. People have asked me many times, have you tested tears? And so I have done some tests with tears and um, often I'll see my own iris, but they're tears from cutting onions and they like collect them in the water and I'll see in the crystallography my iris. But in the emotional state that we have when we're really, really, really sad and we're just really crying and really releasing, well, what we'll find is that our body is designed to heal us we have medicine inside of us that comes outside of us and so when we cry these tears they're designed to go around our face and back into our mouth and those tears have been reordered and restructured to perfectly start to heal and ease us when we take them inside our mouth again oh. they they are um, medicine for us but everyone's saying don't cry don't cry don't cry but those tears they are medicine for us we have forgotten along this journey of what it is to be human that we are medicine beings. This water within us can heal us, can hear us, can feel us, can know us. And we, and that, that idea of I, I think there are two types of water actually in people. The water that flows through us and hydrates us and has all these um, different things that it does in the body. And then this essence water, the essence water that is essentially like the observer. Because when you think about whatever we experience in this body, um, you know, when we see something, we are looking and we're experiencing that through the lens of the eyes. And we hear something that's kind of coming inside of through our ears. When we touch something, we feel it through our body. We taste something, we take it inside. So everything actually we're experiencing inside this body, mm -hmm. every single thing. And I mean, what do we really experience outside of the body? And so when what, what the one thing or few things are, we can relate to water. And that what we experience of ourselves outside of the body is the fact that we can observe ourselves. How do we observe ourselves? And so my personal take on that is that we ourselves, like as what we consider this being to be, um, we have this fluid system, but that essence water is able to track, like so we have an electrical charge because the human being is a, um, has, heart math can measure like our how the frequency of our heart and how you know it has this kind of electrical energy yeah. yeah and we're also salt water so there is that energy that electrical energy coming from that and so it can it's kind of like a web around us in the air so as that as you can measure that electrical kind of energy the water in the air is attracted to it and that actually helps us to feel energy around us it's kind of like this giant spider web where if something just brushes against us we can feel it so it's how we can feel energy in a room how we can feel energy from seeing someone and how we can just you know be in their field we talk about this field we can feel in that energy but the essence water i think actually goes from this liquid body and is that is able to come and go in and out of the physical body so that we can observe ourselves and we can observe ourselves in dreams. People talk about astral travel and they're able to do things like that. And even I've interviewed many people that have had near-death experiences. And three of them all said that they felt themselves rising and then looking down at their body and going, I hope that person's going to be okay. And there was, they instantly became the observer. Mm -hmm. And 
when I look at water outside of the body, I tend to see that water as the observer. Mm-hmm. I think of it as observing me just as much as I'm observing it, but it is never in judgment. There is no judgment. So when we observe ourselves truly, we are not judging ourselves, we're simply observing. And even in near-death experiences, they have that same feeling, that same observation, except that what they've done is actually left the physical field, which tends to come with the fear of death, the fear of losing the body. But when water is released, even the water that comes into our body, suddenly it is within this realm of which we we don't want to lose this body. So there is that element of fear that can, can come sometimes with the idea of death. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very much, it's a very natural feeling that we all have. Um, but when water is released out, then it can be the observer again. Someone once said to me, what if water is, observe, is, is actually the, um, expressing its consciousness through us and everything else on this planet and beyond to, with the purpose to observe itself from every single perceivable perspective, which is a very interesting concept. Because even Bruce Lee, he says, be like water. He says, water becomes the cup, it becomes the teapot. So, well, what if water has become the human? Mm-hmm. And so if we are such fluid beings and we are looking for water outside of ourselves to heal us, I think really it's almost the other way around. Because it's like what we can focus on is the water within us. We are so able to actually heal the water within us. We're always, always looking externally. And we can go and we can buy so much, spend so much money on all these machines and all of these just technologies. And they are out there and they can do certain things, but they're taking, in my opinion, it's a very humble opinion. What I've seen within my the realm of crystallography and freezing water, when you're using technology, and a lot of people will not like me saying this, but I'm just saying from my experience, yeah. when you're using technology, um, yes, I have seen a lot of water change dramatically from using tap water as control, and you can see that's improved and that even when you re- let it melt and refreeze it, there's, there can still be structural changes. But the quickest and most beautiful crystallography that I've seen and the most dramatic have come purely from conscious expression from someone who for an example I use tap water and you know it has this specific look about it and then my children and I we sent water to the water we sent love to the water but we also sent love to each other simultaneously and it was such a powerful moment because we'd been talking about that car accident and all of this stuff. And I, I had talked about how um, often I, I like to share this story was I was told by three doctors that I'd never be able to have children after all of the internal organs were crushed and things like that. So I had a child for every doctor that told me I couldn't because I hate uh-huh. being told what I can't do. And, um, and I was telling the story about that car accident uh, to a friend that came to visit me and my son at the time Rama was um, nearly three and I'd never shared it about about it to him um, and he was like hiding listening to me talk to her and after I'd finished um, Rama he he ran over and he jumped up on my lap and he said I remember that mummy I remember the window wipers and the tires and I claimed down out of the clouds and I went like this and I saved you. And when I knew you were okay, I climbed back up this ladder into the clouds. And I was like, oh, baby, <laughs> that's so, so special. And so he really, we'd been talking about that. So we were really feeling super close to each other and I was in such gratitude to him. And so we were really just sharing love, just this Mm. gratitude and love. And just within that space, the water transformed it. When I look at, when I'm looking for ordered structures, I'm tend to be looking for hexagonal patterns in the ice and the purest, most, most exquisite spring water that I've ever um, 
tested for is one ginormous hexagon took up the entire petri dish there was nothing else but this incredible hexagon and it, it's like got these beautiful little ferns all up each side and it was just perfect and that's exactly what that kind of loving energy did to the tap water which had no structure really in the beginning but this is a valuable thing i'm so glad that we have this because I, I, this is the work i do right is is to allow, I love how you're saying like, heal the water that's inside me, as opposed to looking for the water that will heal me. Well, what the hell is me? I'm water. So, (laughs) and I think the most important thing to remember is in in your validating with your research is that the, the greatest impact we are having on the water, on the structure, on the body is that of our own intention and our own conscious choice. So when we go, you know, you spend thousands of dollars, like I was trying to do to find this like magical healing water. It always pointed me back to you be the healer and you bless your water and you convert that water and you, the intention of, of what the I am presence is in you, not you, the small self, right? The, you, the, the infinite intelligence of you, um, create that, you know, put that intention to allow that infusion of like, you know, you go to a store and you got the $5 bottle of water or the 99 cents and you go and get that like tap water, whatever, but you're infusing it with the technology of your system and what that does to water, which is like millions of dollars of technology of what people are trying to do to water. You have this, right? You have a billion dollar machine and technology right here and, and let's learn to use it and let's intentionally use it. So thank you for really validating that. Of course. But I, I, I do think that it's just bringing back that awareness, that awareness really that we are water, salts, minerals, and consciousness. We're, even when we're cremated, what's, what the, the ashes are actually salts. Salts, as we know, I mean, salt is a crystal. And we use crystals or quartz crystals and all of our technology to store vast amounts of information. And we can see that water also stores information. So this marriage of salt and water is incredibly powerful. We've got these two immortal substances within us. Essentially, you can we use the term water as being dead when it's polluted. But in fact, it's always evaporates. It transforms in front of our eyes. You know, it, it will it will trans it just transmutes from yeah. one different stage to another, and similar to salt, salt you put into water, then it disappears, but you can taste it. You can you know it has gives a, an electrical charge, yeah. but when the water evaporates, oh, there's the salts. And even when yeah. you burn burn someone, the salts were what remain. So we forget that firstly we are made so perfectly and beautifully and if we are able to think it doesn't matter if we can't you know if we're paralyzed or if we don't we can't walk or we have something wrong mm-hmm. and all of these different things we have the power of water within us and salt we are liquid crystals mm-hmm. really that, oh, I'm glad you said that. a lot of people are saying i've used crystals in my water i've used crystals in my bath and those that that's beautiful i i love crystals too mm-hmm. but, if but that's I also remember, what we i'm yeah. a crystal i'm a, you're a yeah you're the crystal you give off electrical charge you at your optimum in health are negatively charged if we like walk barefoot on the ground because the the earth is negatively charged that is what helping the negative charge come up through our feet you know we're helping the water within us and so we and do the water talk about, of the planet too someone's saying how do we course. help our oceans and rivers and it's the same thing we are an ocean we know the ocean we've just forgotten that we know it we if we actually start to close our eyes and I often say this to people if you have a bath and you lie in the bath and you just put your head under the like under the water and your face out of the water and you just kind of like often you know you lie back and when you do that the first thing you do is you start hearing your heartbeat in your ears it's so loud and it's like and you start to hear this swooshing noise and it's like the the, the blood moving through you this water water in water reminds you of water in every single perspective, it always does remind you that you're water. 
And so when you start hearing your heart beating and you're hearing the swish, 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 it immediately takes you back to what it was like in your mother's womb. And so it's this wonderful reminder. Even me, I, I, I mean, when, um, when you're in the shower and it all steams up, I always do a heart and I write, I love you, water. It's like saying I love you in water. So it's a body of water saying I love you to the water outside of ourselves. I think if anything, it's more of us about being conscious and healing the water outside of ourselves than expecting it to heal us. Yeah. Because we oh, are actually you. in control of healing ourselves. And we we are we have these kind of um what's the term? This this kind of crutch that we lean on, you know, when we're looking externally. Um and it, it seems strange sometimes to think that we're able to actually heal ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, we don't. But that's actually that what happens. Terrible. Yeah. That's what happens when you take, even when you just start he- eating healthy. I mean, that's a choice. But what you're doing is putting healthy food into the body and the body is healing itself. Yes. You know, what you choose to do is your choice. But what the body does is respond to those choices. So I see it's so incredibly important. Holly said, I will forever look at water differently from now on. So much (laughs) love. And I mean, there have been so many amazing comments and people really resonating with this. So, so beautiful. You guys, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Veda, for for sharing this with us and for doing the work that you're doing in the world. I, I think there's a lot of people doing different kind of research on water, but not necessarily like in the consciousness that you're at with this and, and what questions you're asking and what things you're looking at. So um, I love what you guys are sharing. It's so beautiful. Um, Veda, I'm going to share her site because I think it's really worth following what she's doing and who she is and what, what she's exploring. It's uh, vedaaustin.com, V-E-D-A-A-U-S-T-I-N.com. Um, and you, do you want to share any last little nuggets before you go about like what's coming for you and what you want people to remember here? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, I mean, whenever I think of what and I watch water, it's always going back to source. And we're all going back to source and how we get there is entirely up to us on our journey. Uh, with my work in crystallography, really, um, a picture speaks a thousand words. And so what I've been doing really is seeing incredible imagery in water macroscopically. I take the photos on my iPhone. I can think of a hand and then I'll see a hand in the ice. Is there a way we can do our own and take pictures? Because I thought it was more a microscopic. No, I'm doing everything on my iPhone. That's why I, children are doing this. So how do so, we do that? So if we <laughs> use something into our water, how do we take the picture? So uh, there is a technique. So it's all in the freezing. So I don't know how much time we've got. We, but we don't have much time, but I'm sure we can so, probably find more on your phone. Yeah. But you, you freeze can, it. So you only put a tiny amount of water in the glass Petri dish. You can learn all of this. It's all on my website, basically. Yeah, okay, I cool. te- my, you can get my technique there. But then there's two types of water in the, in, that, in the freezing process. So you want it to be ice on the bottom and liquid on the top. It only takes five, around five minutes, different times for okay. different people's freezer settings. Take it out, tip the water out, and take the photo. Oh my it's gosh. So really we'll go on your site. It says shop Veda's technique and more. Yeah. So and the, webs- can- I, the workshops are really good because I can help you in real time. And the next one's on the 30th of April. People can sign up for that. It's only, it's, so- it's affordable and you get the CMP guide, which is what I call my technique. It's a, it's a, a, a online a Zoom, workshop. Zoom workshop. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. I'm glad people are uh, able to find this and I'm really glad for what you're doing in the world. Way to go. Thank you. I love you guys. I'll be here every Wednesday, 11 a.m. Mountain Time for Mind Body TV. Um, you can join the Mind Body community if you're not already in there in Facebook. Uh, subscribe and YouTube at Dr. Kim Duramo. Check out what Veda's doing at vedaaustin.com, V-E-D-A-A-U-S-T-I-N. And I think like most importantly beyond any of the above is um, remember there's power here. You know, you have this profoundly powerful technology, use it for your own healing, use it because that is what heals the planet that affects everyone around you. And just remember how powerful you are and it will feel true. Like it'll feel so much lighter to go, oh yeah, 
I can just do this instead of like, how do I get the right silk to filter it? Or where do I buy the thing? And remember like the knowing in you already knows, oh yeah, let me remember and let it be easy and, and bring this intelligence that I, that I have. I love you guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Veda. You've been listening to the Mind Body TV podcast with Dr. Kim Duramo. For a special download to assist with integrating this work, go to drkimd.com forward slash podcast.